0: seated. you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you, or the back of the chair in front of you, and uh, get you to open it to Hebrews chapter 12. We've been in Hebrews for a while, and folks, we're going to just about done with Hebrews, although Hebrews is not done with us. Been in here a while, hadn't we? For those of you who hadn't been tra- tracking with us, we're actually doing two things. In this body that you're sitting with this morning, if you haven't been here before, we have what we call life groups that meet during the week. Right now, we have outside the church uh, building itself, we have groups, uh, about seven, I think, right now, that are meeting at different times during the week. If you ever want to be a part of that, they, they meet together and then they join um, us. On Sunday, bringing that worship with us that they have during the week, and um, so we have a lot of people who are doing Bible studies in homes. If you would like to be a part of that, please see me. Matter of fact, can if it didn't work into your schedule, which it hadn't for a few, then we just start another one. God's word is it goes on forever and ever, doesn't it? And uh, it is in tr- truly a stronger, sharper than any two edged sword. I mean, we live in a world. Uh, It's really a a marathon race is what we've been finding in Hebrews, is that it's a tough race. It's not easy being out there, but here's the thing. We've already won this marathon race, haven't we? Got any amens in here this morning? You guys been on vacation or what? We do. We're running this racing because Jesus Christ is our strength. We don't have any strength of our own that will win any kind of race or any kind of battle. It has to come from him, from Jesus Christ and him alone. And success in this great life is, is, uh, is run, like running a marathon race. That's the picture that we've gotten back in, in uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12 where we've been here the last couple weeks. And that, it talks about this great cloud of witnesses. That doesn't mean that they're alive and up there in heaven clapping. It means they're alive in Christ. They're, they're, they're with God right now. But um, their witness has gone before them and tells us how we should live under God's rules so we have the testimonies really of this, this uh, of faith, of these great cloud of runners, every one of their stories that we looked at it, it says by faith by faith in Christ believe it or not, even before Christ was here, they believed that the Messiah was coming and they placed their faith, they, matter of fact they, they placed their whole life on it and it's, we also learned in the last week how we run that race how do we do it right? Uh, it says, first of all, we have to throw off everything that hinders us. That means sin and everything. Throw it off. Cast it off. And then we have to keep our focus on the one who's already won, won the race, and that's Jesus Christ. We keep our focus on him and don't get distracted by all the world. Anybody here have any distractions from the world this week? Uh-huh. The ones who raise their hands, I know we're awake. It's true, isn't it? We have so many distractions, all this noise in the world all around us. It's a marathon race, folks, and it's tough marathoning, isn't it? Anybody, well, I don't have—we don't have any marathoners here. But here's another thing that happens in a marathon race. You know, I've really got intrigued about this, and we were—I you know, looked at the Boston Marathon, and I looked at these things to see how they run and how the people, you know, hitting the wall and all that kind of stuff. One thing that that they had there were hecklers in the crowd. Well, not the family. It's okay, they're not here. Yeah, there, there were people who, I didn't, I'm okay, I'm good, right? Okay, good. There were hecklers in the, fan, in, in the race, and they would actually, you know, jeer at them and, and, and make fun of them, again, to distract them from where they were going. That's not us, is it? We keep our focus on Jesus Christ and Him only, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith is what we, we read here in Hebrews. Uh, I wish everybody could have been here for that, just to decide what that is. So that's what was going on in this, this Hebrew church that we've been reading about. This is a letter to the Hebrew church. We don't know who wrote it. But it was going on. They had a lot of people who were saying, whoa, you know, do you really mean this, this Christ thing, this Christian thing? You're Jews. They were all Jews. They've been part of the Jewish heritage forever and ever. And they were being taunted by, the, by these people that they were actually walking with, away from, sort of, sort of to speak. And they were leaving their historic Jewish faith. Now think about that a minute. God had chosen the Jews to take his word to the whole world. And what did that mean? What God meant was the Messiah was going to come from them, right? But he gave them those rules, these people were kind of saying, you know what? We're going with Christ, who is the Messiah. The one that God promised. The one who came and, 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 and died for us. But you know what they're saying? Whoa, wait a minute. We have thousands of years of heritage, of Jewish heritage. You're going the wrong way. You're walking away from, from your, what's in your blood, your, your, your flesh and body, the way that you're made. You're headed away from Sinai. You know what, who, what Sinai was? Mount Sinai is where Moses Got the laws. I'm going to, I'm going to show you, tell you about that one here in just a minute because that's an incredible picture. But you're walking away from Sinai and, and, and Jerusalem where God actually came and lived. We built a temple for him. Remember all of that? And he came and he lived among us in, in the temple. You know, you're walking away from your whole nation that God has set aside and the great blessings of God that he had. You're never going to make it. So Hebrews 12 through 18 through 24, it contrasts where his people, God's people, have been to where they are today and then tells us about where they're going in Jesus Christ, the one who is the focus of their faith. But I want to go back just a minute, like we just said, to Mount Sinai. Everybody know what, what, what Mount Sinai was? Uh, you got to read that sometime. I'm just going to tell you about it this morning. If that's okay. It's back in Deuteronomy 20. I mean Exodus 20, 19 and uh, 20, along in there. Go back and, and read it, and you'll see it. But that's where God gave the law to Moses. They never had law. You know, all these. You, you go back and you look at some of them. and You think, well, you know, are these guys? They really blew it. You know, Abraham. Think about it. All the things that Abraham did and his offspring, and say, whoa. They never had law. All they had was faith. And the ones who placed their faith in God and his promise that he would provide a way out were saved. Even before Christ. We see that here. But let's keep going here. we're going to go, I want you to see Mount Sinai and what really happened by there. The contrast between then, which is holy terror. That brings whole new meaning to that. And the now, what we're going to read about here this morning in Hebrews, when they're coming into God before God in His kingdom, and that how the, the, the distance that, they, that God set between them then at Mount Sinai before Christ and the closeness we have now. Oh. Let me tell you what happened on Mount Sinai. It was incredible. You go back and you read that, and I think, oh, wow it's incredible. Let me see if I can kind of give you a picture of it. Remember they've been wandering around in the desert and, and they didn't have all these laws, but now Moses was able to talk to God. And so Moses says, God's going to come and show his power right in front of your face. Now, they've been, I always have trouble with that. And, you know, They've been following this fiery thing around through the desert and all that. But he says, God's going to come and show you his power. So here's what you have to do. You have to prepare yourself. I mean, you have to take special kind of cleansing and baths. You can't have any kind of relationships at all, touching relationships, nothing. You have to prepare yourselves so that you're just focused on God. And they took a whole long time to do that. And their clothes were washed a special way. Everything, the whole nation of of Israel is going to get to see God, and they prepared for him. Wouldn't it be great if we did that during the week here? Hmm. But they did that, and they got ready for this magnificent appearance, and then they waited. Three days they waited for God, knowing that he's coming. And then when he came, it was unbelievable. It was terror like you wouldn't believe. I don't even think we have any way to understand it today, not even with all these special effects and movies and everything. The whole world got dark, and God in all of his power in a great cloud, it got dark, and it came towards Mount Sinai. And lightning bolts was the only thing that lit up Anything. It's the only way you could see. If if I read the the scripture right, I read read the original language right. And God said it is so holy that nobody can even touch the mountain. If you touch it, you die. Even if an animal touches it, he dies. You have to kill the animal. He's so full of God's glory that he's a danger to people. It's a horrible thing. And the earth shook Everything's shaking. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I have. I lived in California for a while. And, and when the earth shakes in an earthquake, you, you lose all spatial. You have no idea where up or down or sideways is when, you, when it's tremoring. And all. This trembled all the time. There, the earth is trembling. It's all dark. There's nothing but lightning bolts. And let me tell you how bad it was. Moses said he trembled. Moses was afraid, the one who could talk to God. That's a lot of fear, isn't it? Let me tell you something. Every one of us has to come to that point before the power of God, before we can understand his grace. Do you get that? The God with all that power who can destroy us by just touching the ground around him has forgiven you through Jesus Christ. That's grace, folks. There is no way any of us can come before God on our own. There's nothing we can do. Nothing. You can try all you want, but you see, we're all sinners. There's not a person in there that's not a sinner. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands on that one. Not a one here that's not a sinner. Not a one of us is worthy to come before God. But Jesus Christ opened that door. Jesus Christ opened that barrier, knocked it down. The veil in the temple that kept God from us was ripped in two because Jesus Christ is alive. He took what separated us, which is death and sin, and he killed it. He took it upon himself, all of our sins in his death, and he died. And he left all of our sins and death itself in hell. And today he sits at the right hand of God, Father Almighty. That's the God of grace. Now we are free to go boldly before the throne of God. Well, we've already read that in Hebrews because of Jesus Christ. <sighs> what an awesome sight that must have been, do you think? Back then when God came with all that power before the people. I, I want to read you just part of of, 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 of the of X's if I can. Let me see. Here's what happened. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from the, from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai, and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. Sky is black it's this deep darkness it's that everything's on fire it looks like lightning and Moses speaks and God answers him in thunder like voice and the only thing that matches that incredible incredible display are, are are the are the the pounding and everything of earth going on is the pounding in their hearts I believe Isn't that the way it is when we come before God? Do you remember, if you ever came before God and you realized how totally worthless we are, and then you realize the amount of his grace that's been poured out on you, wow. That's something that turns the heart around, doesn't it? Changes it completely. And here's the thing, that blazing fire on Mount Sinai, that was a display of God's holiness. And it it decreed him as the ultimate judge. There was no way out. God's in charge. And all that mighty fire. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy calls it a consuming fire. just eats up everything, even the mountain. It made clear in no uncertain terms the unapproachableness of God. We just can't come before him. Not in our state. The people at the foot of the mountain were filled with a proper fear of God you know we'll talk about that another time but this fear of God that's that's a proper kind of fear of God isn't it Moses explained in Exodus 2020 he says God has come to test you now how about that did you know that God tests us huh whoa so where are you going to go when God comes before you with all of his power that's the important thing I hope we've learned through Hebrews and all these examples. You know what a lot of people do? Whoa, there's God. Let's go. But you know what God says? Come to me in all my power. I love you. I love you with a love that can't go away. It can't be taken away. Come to me and all this power. And this power will guard you and keep you forever and ever. It was an education experience. God says, I'm testing you. He says, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That's how we do it. Run to God. You know, so many times when you've done something wrong, you go to him. And yeah, he might punish you if you've done something wrong. But you know what? He never leaves you. He's going to love you forever and ever. If you go to him, not if you run away. To understand that God is holy and that you are a sinner is the beginning of the understanding of grace. That's what I said a while ago. And let me tell you what, folks. If we don't learn anything else from this study in Hebrews or anything else that's preached from from here, then I want you to know this. God's grace is bigger than anything you can imagine. It's bigger than any sin you might have committed. There is no one here who has committed a sin that is bigger than God's grace promise matter of fact it's not me that promises you it's god's word but you have to go to him you have to receive that grace from jesus christ him and him only here's the problem the really big, big problem with this trip to sinai uh, god's marvelous grace grace upon grace they didn't see god was confronting them with all their sin His his holiness and all of their sinfulness came face to face, sort of. And the law provided no power to overcome sin, did it? The law didn't overcome sin. Maybe we'll read Romans next. But now, here we are, Hebrews have your Bible open. Hebrews 12, 18. And you know what? You have the NIV there, but I want to read it from, from the ESV this morning, if you'll allow me. For you have not come to what may be touched. Uh, you have not come to what... Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels and festal gathering and to assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Whoa, that's loaded. Verse 18 18 makes perfect sense now, if you read that before and it didn't make sense. We've come to a better mountain than Sinai. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched. Zion, Zion is a spiritual mountain. That's the one we're talking about. You and I who know Jesus Christ have come to him. It's a spiritual mountain that could be touched only. The old mountain could only be touched in pain because it was physical. But the new Zion is spiritual. You know Jesus Christ by spirit. Do you? Amen? Amen. Yeah. You not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, different mountain. The writer's warning people as they attempt to run with, with perseverance, this race we've been running, this marathon race. It, it, we're running the, the race that's marked out in front of us. No curves, we're following, keeping our focus on Jesus Christ. There aren't many Christians today who can do that, is there? You know, if they're all, the voices of their old people saying, well, you know what, you have to follow this rule you got to do this because this is the way I learned it. You know what? We're following Jesus Christ here to him. And you know what? We follow his word and what it says. A lot of people try to take that and they try to turn it into some sort of legal type thing. Or they try to go back to Mount Sinai, I think we look at it that way you try to go back and say well we have to follow this rule and this rule and this rule exactly and then you already we already know we can't but we can actually go and do god's rules by his strength by him and him only sinai um, with his fiery mountain and its code of law written with the finger of god is just too hard though for us to understand and it's way too hard for us to put into practice. Right? It is. You know what we've done? I think we've we, we probably just... My opinion, let me do that if you don't mind. I think we, we try to... We make our own mini Sinai's. I, th- I think we, we make our own laws that we can follow, that, that are easy for us to understand and that we can accomplish, and then we say, good, we're moral and we're right now, right? that's what the pharisees did there is no way we can do this without jesus christ we have to come to him and him only and fall before him you know there's so many things that are pulling us aside we have to come to christ he's our strength through all of it and too many times we go other ways we try to go back and come up with programs or whatever you know if, if you're evangelical and we have these little legalisms that we kind of follow. Maybe sometimes we kind of you know get them right. so you're conservative, I guess, if you do that. And, and if you're a, a liberal, then you, you, you get all of your rules and your legalities that are supposedly based on God's word through a consensus, a general consensus of the population. We even vote on it. Can you imagine voting on God's word? came from God what are we doing what are we doing you know what we've done to kind of take the blame off of us we kind of go out and we vote some people in who are going to go in and, and vote whatever the consensus is and say okay I'm with them they did it you know what if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ stand with him Stand with Him and His Word. Know it. You have to know His Word. You know, my my prayer for, for this body of believers as we walk together is that we know God's Word so much and so well that we can't put it down. You know, I want us to have an insatiable hunger for God's Word. I want us to have a thirst that can't be quenched for His Word. Because, And here's the thing. I, I will tell you this. If you read this every day, the more you read it, the more you, you dwell on it, the more you, you meditate on it, the more you know about God. And the more you fall before Jesus Christ with His Word in your heart, the more you become like Him. And that's why He made you. We are to become Christ become like him we're we're here for his pleasure and for his glory we've gotten too caught up in making our own laws and making our own ways and calling it little legalisms you know forget that the problem with legalism is always judgmental whether it's from an evangelical side a conservative side or a liberal side it's always judgmental isn't it god is judge he's the only one that is other thing so let me tell you what, this shows us where we've come. You know, from Mount Sinai, now we switch to Mount Zion. And I want you to see, I'm going to make this quick. Uh, promise. <laughs> I only have seven points. We'll be out by the next Ravens game. <coughs> <laughs> Kidding. I do want you to look at this on your own. Look in Hebrews 12. And, uh, I'm going to show you some things that I want you to see, and I want you to stop, and I want you to dwell on, and I'm going to be quick with them. First, where have we come? We've, we haven't come to Mount Sinai. We've come to Mount Zion, And we know what that means now, right? That's a spiritual mount with Jesus Christ because we're focused on him as we're running this race. Here's the first thing we see. We come to the city of God. Look at that. Verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Jerusalem was on the site where David brought the ark. So that God could come and dwell among his people. That's where Solomon built the temple. You know? So this is where God's home was. When Solomon built the temple and he installed the ark in Zion, Jerusalem... Um, became the home of his earthly dwelling, the place that God came and dwelt on earth. And in Christ, we have this heavenly equivalent, don't we? We come and we dwell in Christ. Is he dwelling in your heart? You know, that's not like a funny thing to a lot of people out there because, oh, you don't mean that. He can't come and live in your heart. Yes, he does. I promise you he does. He comes and he dwells in there, and the more time you spend with him, the more he grows inside of you. But that's a whole other thing. He says, in Christ we've come to its heavenly equivalent, I believe. And the spiritual Jerusalem He's come from above. And you know in one sense, yeah, I want you to know this, we're there now. Oh, yeah, he's to come. It's not, he is to come. He's going to come back for all those who believe. Because he says, well, we are looking to the city that is to come. Yeah, verse, chapter 13, we'll get to that next week. Well, you also arrived there in spirit we have arrived in Christ Jesus. Know that. You know if you're you're saying, "Oh no, I can't handle this anymore." Jesus is going to come back next Tuesday or whenever you're planning on it this year. You know what? Jesus is already. We're already here. And you know, what? when He comes to take us home, I'm going to be glad to be going with Him and getting out of this world. Anybody going with me? Yeah, good. Yeah, we are. I'm going to be glad to do that, but we're here right now, and I got to tell you, Jesus is too. He sent the Holy Spirit, so we're here in Him. Christians are citizens of the heavenly city already, and you know what? We get to enjoy its privileges now. Paul wrote, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there." The uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in Zion. That's, that's, when you hear that word, I know maybe you never even thought and dwelt on that before, but if you come to Mount Zion, let me tell you, oh, ready for one, one quick Greek thing? It, it, it's in the perfect tense. We miss it in this translation. But, but what that is, is really saying that he has come now and he's never leaving. He's going on and on and on. Do you get that? I'm sorry the English just can't do it justice, but that's the way it was written. We are here now. And Jesus is here now. And look who we meet with, with. Not only with Christ. Look at this. We meet angels. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Oh, boy, there's a neat word, too. Moses tells us that, that that the myriads of, of holy ones were at the giving of the law in Deuteronomy 33. And remember Daniel? Daniel said... Thousands upon thousands attended him. God. Ten thousands and thousands and thousands is what he said, Daniel says. Attending him. He got to, he got to know their presence and got to know them. Um, also says that in Psalm 68. Here's the thing. In the church, we come to innumerable thousands of angels. It says so right here. Coming to Zion. You know, there's angels all around. I'm not going to sit, we're not going to sit here and go through all those stories. You know, they even made movies out of them and all that stuff. They're real, folks. They are real and their presence is here. It's a spiritual reality. So if you have that spiritual, that spirit living in you, you can know that. They're everywhere. Hebrews 1.14 asks, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? They've been sent here for us. And, and there are thousands of testimonies of angels. You know, you hear all those stories in the jungles and, and, and prisons, and, you know, all those. I'm sure you read all that. They meet us here, though, not to tend to us. That's not what this is about. Look what it says. It says in joyful assembly. That's a really special word. That word joyful assembly is one word, and, and, and it was reserved for special long-term events like the Olympics. They used that word for that. Or, or when they, you know, the Greeks would come and meet and, and uh, have all their races and, and their marathons. That's how the ancient culture saw that word. But here they are, all these angels in this joyful, festal assembly, your version may say. Is, and it goes on and on. It doesn't stop with the angels. That's who we're worshiping with. On, on Mount Sinai, the angels, they, they blew their celestial trumpets. Wouldn't you like to have been a part of that one? <laughs> that beats New Orleans, doesn't it? Yeah, buddy. Trumpets, and here's the thing: they blew their trumpets, and the people were terrified. I don't think it was because of bad band lessons. I think they had they had it was the power of God, the trumpets of God, that the angels were were, were playing on Mount Zion, and they were ready to celebrate and worship. Whoo! I'm ready for that one. I'm re- I tell you what, I enjoyed that worship this morning. It's was good, wasn't it? think what it's going to be like when we're worshiping with all these thousands and thousands of angels forever and ever we're not bound by time anymore for those of you worried about falling out of windows or anything they're and we're in a powerful magnificent display of god's glory Angels. And then here's third. We come to fellow believers too. That's who's going to be here at these festival activities. Look, to the church of the firstborn whose name are written in heaven. Boy, I wish, wish we had time to go and work through that. Do you realize that by this, by being identified with Jesus Christ, we, we talk about the firstborn. You, if you read through the Old Testament, you know how important that is, right? Uh, that's, that's something that goes on in a lot of our moral groups. You know, they call it the prototicus. You know, with the firstborn son and, and, and all of that. Do you know this by the testimony that's right here? If you are in Jesus Christ, whether you're a man or a woman, no matter when you were born in, in, in your household, you are a firstborn. God considers you to be a firstborn. Whoa. Is that good news? Yeah, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? And there's more. His firstborn, our names are written in heaven along with the ones who are already there. (laughs) The ones that have gone before us. Remember that great cloud of witnesses we read back in Hebrews 11? In other words, there's this amazing unity, amazing solidarity of all God's children coming together no matter when you were born. No matter where you were born. Nothing. If you're in Jesus Christ, we all come together. Here's the thing. Think about this. We're going to be worshiping with Paul, with Moses, with all of these people. Here's the thing. We have the same spiritual development that they have. We're all the same. Is that exciting? Well, I tell you what, I thought somebody would have passed out over that one. I, you know, I almost did when I was reading it. To me, that's exciting. Here we are, a part of God's family, and we're all equal. It's all level at the cross, folks. You heard me say that a few times, didn't you? It is. It's all leveled at the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's another thing. You have come to God. Look at the next verse, 23, the last part of 23. You have come to God, the judge of all men. The celebration in Zion, it's a joyous festival. It's not just a casual thing. We're not going to be able to sit back in the cafe and drink coffee while we worship, folks. Not going to happen. We come to Zion to, to meet the God who was on Sinai we get to come there with him and we understand regarding him that nothing in all creation look at this is hidden from God's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account we read that back in hebrews 4:13 then we also know that he said it is mine to avenge i will repay and again the lord will judge his people and it's a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living god we're safe Remember all that holy terror we talked about before? When they, they weren't safe, were they? Because they had sin and it hadn't been remedied yet. Ours has. And one we come before Him at all because He is the Judge. You know what? We don't come to Him in fear and you know cowed and trying to hide from Him. That's not the way we come before our God. All of our sin is gone. Jesus took it away. We can come before him fully, boldly, it says, before the throne of God. This is our greatest delight, I think. I'm mean, you know, Think about it. Someday we're going to be able to come before God boldly and worship him for his pleasure. Amen. He's going to be pleased with that. I look forward to that. There's another thing I want you to see. The church, Christ's church, not the institutionalized church, I don't think. Christ church, of which we are a member of. Amen? amen? Christ church wins. We're coming to a triumphal victory. Look at this. To the spirits of righteous men made perfect. That's us, the church. Even though they are in heaven, we share this unity with all who have gone before us. All of us. That same spiritual life is in us as is in them. And, and you know... <laughs> We, I've read this. Someone said, you know, we're going to share the same secrets that Paul had and the same secrets that all the members did. All those secrets exposed. Anybody here keeping any secrets we need to know about? I am um, you. It's amazing that all those people that went before us, they died before Christ. Millennial, thousands of years before us anyway. But God planned, according to Hebrews 11.40, that only together with us, would be made perfect. Christ had to die for all of them to be acceptable to God. Christ's blood had to be spilt. Hold on to that one. And here's here's the next thing. We come to Jesus, the mediator of a covenant. The mediator of a covenant. We come to the man, he's like us, and the man who is for us, And Moses was the mediator in the Old Testament. But you know what? Moses was man. Moses died. Mm -hmm. Moses couldn't be a mediator for that long, could he? And even Moses trembled at Mount Sinai. (laughs) But through Jesus, the mediator of this new covenant, we draw near to him with confidence. Are you excited? Ah. And here's the last thing I want you to see. We come to forgiveness. Because of the sprinkled blood. Now that sounds weird to this culture, I'm sure. It does sound like something's hard for us to really grasp, in not it? It says, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Wow. Remember what God said about Abel when he died, what he said to Cain? Your brother's blood screams, cries out to me from the grave. You know why? Because Cain went and killed Abel and didn't ask God about it. It was sin. It actually separated him from God, didn't it? But listen to this. But Christ's blood shouts out to you and me that you're saved. You're forgiven. His blood has been shed, and it cries out to you and me, Come to me, all you who want to be saved, come to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And in The power of Jesus' blood that was spilt for you and me. You know what it says? It says you and I are forgiven. You know what? If you've never experienced that, if you don't know Christ, it's time to come. It's time to come to Mount Zion and know the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace that God has to offer. The scripture tells us in, uh, in the church, you have come right now is what this says. You have come in the presence of God. And it says that you and I are forgiven. We're forgiven because we run to Him. The scripture tells us in church, you've come to the city of God. I want you to see that. So you got a Bible with your own, you want to mark it. Look at that. The city of God. Think about what that means, where God dwells. The myriads of angels, we're with them, all of us together. They come to to fellow believers, other people. You know what? There's something I want you to think about in a minute. Look around you. The people who are fellow believers in here today, you're going to spend eternity with. You better get along. (laughs) You know what? We're all going to get along together, aren't we? Because through the love of Christ. All the fellow believers have gone before and now and in the future. If the Lord tears. It also says you come to God. It also says here to the church victorious. The church that's one been made perfect all the people to Jesus and to forgiveness for all the sins that are going away you know what knowing those truths there is no reason for you not to get up in the morning remember that and then fall back down on your knees before God he saved you he's forgiven you if you just receive him receive his offer will you? if you never have receive his offer of grace All your sins can be gone. You say, ah, but I keep on sinning. You know what? You won't want to sin if Jesus is in your heart and leading you. Guaranteed. Know this. I pray that you will know you have come to Mount Zion. You've come to God. Let's pray. Lord, God, in all of your power that is so awesome, these words can't even describe it. Lord, your power that can just nuke us in a nanosecond. Which would, Lord, if we had sin attached to us. Lord, you are all powerful, and yet you are all loving. And you want us to enter into a love relationship with you. A love which you promise this is in Romans eight that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all of your power, and we fall before you, Lord, in our hearts and praise you, the God of creation, the God who is, and the God who loves us. Praise you, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that every heart in here will know you, each and every day of their lives now that they will know the power of God and the power of your love. It's in your precious name, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.